Hi guys, how you doing today? Hey everyone, we're here. How's going? We're queer. We're back. Um, this is KRK Radio. I am your hostess with the mostest. You're queer without fear. Uh, just X Henry with my fellow co-host Black Word. Hello, representing Death's Table. You know, being beautiful, being great. It's National Boyfriend's Day as we're recording this, and fuck today. <laughs> Bitter game. Uh, Let's go. Right. Uh, the Wingard Vonte. What's going on? And I'll second what Steven just said. <laughs> and of course, the doctor himself, Dr. Showtime. Mm-hmm. 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 I'm here representing Table Day, um, the seat of Above Us, because it's all what? Above Us. I can't. And today we are going to be reviewing Inferno number one. Sword number eight and Wolverine number sixteen. So we you know, we so we gonna take this very light because we kind of wore y'all out with that two and a half hour episode. <laughs> y'all, y'all are not getting that again. We can't. No. <laughs> I'm going to keep you, but no, not again. <laughs> There's not one trick you do in the in the bedroom every once in a while, but that's not like an everyday thing. Don't be thinking we're not that flexible. Not at all. You're not getting that. So. We go ahead and kick this thing off with Inferno, number one, by the doctor, Showtime. All right. So Inferno, number one, finally, we're here. But this is the end of uh, Jonathan Hickman's involvement with the X-Men books as prominently as he has been for the last two or three years now. Um, So the book starts off um, with a sort of flashback to uh, House of X, Powers of Ten, where uh, Xavier is standing over the X-Men having freshly be being uh, resurrected. And this time it is Charles Xavier and uh, Magneto who are being resurrected as Emma Frost is the one putting their minds back. Um, it is almost identically the same uh, images uh, just with uh, Emma Frost uh, in place of Charles and Charles and uh, it, Eric uh, on the ground uh, being resurrected goes into um, the uh, Orcus uh, trying to understand how the X-Men keep coming back and attacking and they are getting closer and closer to realizing that they are are doing some sort of resurrection protocol. Uh, They get really, 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 really close um, to understanding uh, just how the X-Men are coming back and they've realized that they're keep, they keep attacking the way that they are uh, because they have no memory of the attacks that failed prior. Um, then it goes into sort of a flashback to uh, Moira's uh, third life where Destiny um, has Pyro uh, incinerate her. It's sort of a frame-by-frame re-envisioning of what happened in Powers of Ten. Um, the differences being that this being Uh, The Powers of Ten uh, version of this conversation was how Moira was explaining it to Charles, and in this version, it's what actually happened, so we see an extra extra part of the conversation that goes into a little bit more detail of just how how and where uh, Moira has Destiny and uh, Mystique fucked up. so that is freshly on uh, Moira's mind uh, as they sort of time skip through her lives uh, back to her present life. 
uh, where uh, Orcus is working with uh, horticulture uh, to understand uh, the movement of uh, a particular person through Kokoa, the, through the Kokoan gates. Um, and they realize that there is a location that has two on the same, in the same building, uh, but one on top of each other in different floors. Uh, and so they're getting closer and closer to being able to track down Moira. Uh, we discover that Charles and Eric actually were tracking Moira through the uh, Krakoan gates um, through uh, some uh, like nano thing that they gave her during their first meeting prior to the Quiet Council. Um, and then uh, Moira uh, rehashes the agreement that she has with Charles and Eric that the two things that she asked for was stop Nimrod from uh, becoming sentient uh, and uh, to never bring back destiny. Uh, that goes into uh, Cypher having a conversation with Warlock and Krakoa about uh, the impending things that are coming up with Krakoa. Um, Storm and the rest of the Quiet Council uh, meet with the captain command, the captains of uh, the mutants. Um, we see that Psylocke has replaced Gorgon uh, and that Cyclops is stepping down from captain commander and, and they uh, have nominated Bishop uh, to the role. And so he takes on that role. This is a very very, very packed uh, fucking issue. Uh, and then we go to a meeting of the Quiet Council uh, where Charles and uh, Eric had already been directed by Mora to destroy any copies of Destiny's DNA. Um, and then as part of that meeting, they were intending on getting rid of Mystique uh, from the Quiet Council, um, but Mystique flips that on its head and instead introduces uh, Destiny herself, resurrected and freshly new, uh, to the Quiet Council, and as she comes in uh, with a dramatic flair, uh, she sits down right in Apocalypse's former seat, uh, and then we end the issue uh, having seen Destiny has been brought back somehow and is now uh, going to be voted on as a member of the Quiet Council. Excellent, excellent. Mess, so, mess, mess, messy, lots mess. And lots of mess. I especially like how Sinister looked everyone in the eye. It was like, oh yeah, I'll do exactly what you said. That messy, messy queen. I love it. He was applauding. He was happy. He was living. <laughs> he was you gagging. sure you want to do this? I'm not going to say no. <laughs> and, and Emma was sitting there with her back to Destiny. And all she saw was a cape and telepathically probably scanned and was like, oh, bitch. <laughs> and the thing is, like, that, that, that's really curious to me is all these failed missions to the Orcus Forge. Like, how do you have Omega 11 mutants and you can't knock one damn uh, satellite out of orbit? Like, what the fuck are y'all not doing? I feel like it's all Nimrod. Because Nimrod's, like, constantly adapting. Because I think that was the whole thing of having a kid Omega there. Because we're supposed to interpret him as an Omega you know, Nimrod can adapt to an Omega level potential, which is a, a thing, I guess, that you can say, but it does, it shows some sloppiness that they keep getting the ass beat. It's some extreme yeah. sloppiness that they keep getting the ass beat. Well, part you of it is that there's the, the memory issue is that they keep failing and they don't know what the fuck happened. So they keep sending niggas up there, forgetting that y'all don't remember how y'all failed the last time. Nimrod keeps outdoing you. That's right. Why 
I think that's an even important addition. I think that's the whole argument Miss Nick is about to make. Is that none of you know why you keep fucking failing and we keep having this issue because we don't have any precogs on this goddamn team. And Thank you. Like literally, you don't need to fix that shit. Though it is funny that there are precogs in like the entirety of the X-Men. Like Betsy is technically a precog. Like, her first yeah. power was precognition. And then like now she no longer has that ability by Tarot a miracle. Was yeah. doing, um was doing premonition related stuff during X of Swords. And it's like there are other future seers not on Krakoa. So I'm like, is there like it says, oh yeah, we have no precog mutants allowed, which we all know that's really just a thing about destiny. This whole thing revealed Moira is way more shadier than you could ever possibly conceive of. Cause I don't trust her going through this anyway, because it's not, it's literally really what we talked about that one time where we were like, there is like a systemic thing now about precogs and that particular power set on this island. And it feels like that because there's no real reason to reject that. And now it's like, yeah, Myra just don't want destiny alive. It's not about seeing the future. It's not about fixing something. She might be hiding something, but it's really just all about destiny. Moira is hiding something because it doesn't make sense that, that you would eliminate a, a whole mutant like like gene pool and shit just to like keep her away from you because you worry about her killing. Like, what are you up to? Because the things that, that she said, I won't kill you if you don't do no wild shit to the community. I got you. But I'm not understanding, like, Mora, what's the problem? She's still exhibiting some serious self-hate to me. That's just that's just my personal opinion. He's and, giving me mutant oh, Karen. Oh. Very, very much that. And then she also, she kind of, like, ignored the question or, like, the, the proposition of actually working with the machines instead of constantly fighting with them. Like, I guess... Charles and um, uh, Magneto had brought that up. She constantly like kind of went around that. So I wonder what her issue is with the machines. Right, because it's not only is an issue for mankind, but like it's an issue for mutant kind that they can't involve themselves. Like where's the like danger? Danger is a huge example of a machine that works very well with the X Men. Danger is an AI, and I'm like, what about Warlock? Because Warlock might be bioorganic. But like he's still a machine. He's still technically part of a larger AI. And There's Omega like a... Karima used to work with them too. And now she's part of Orcus. Exactly. I'm like, all of this don't make sense. I started thinking like, okay, but she did all these lies. But I'm like, really, it felt like all those lies were lived just so she can get Xavier on her side immediately. Because he didn't question nothing. He saw her lies. He's like every single time she went out and did something, she failed. And now I have to trust whatever she says because she knows things that I don't. And I'm like, but at the same time, I'm like, how much of Myra do you guys actually understand? She's not really a human being anymore. She's just a creature who lives on a loop. And she doesn't really see you guys as people. She sees you as like save files. It's like she lives her life like a character who I know no one probably knows unless you ever read UQ Holder. She has the same exact power as Myra. She dies and she comes back to life at a save point. She doesn't get fully reborn, but she comes back at a point. And that's the interesting thing about her is that she stopped regarding people or anyone around her in any other sense or like Diane, like dynamic other than the fact that, okay, if something goes wrong, I'm just going to kill myself anyway, end up back at the start. So whatever I do goes, and I know better than everyone else because none of you guys got what I got. And she this even went as, as far as to only let Charles read her mind one time. And it was an edited version of her memories and then she said right. she will never let him read her mind a second time. So he has to rely upon her recollection of her memories. Because so she the, can the, just lie. 
Yeah, because of, because the, the the series of events. Because I was watching somebody's YouTube video. The series of events that we see in this book in Inferno do not exactly match what we saw in in House of X. So Mora is up to something. Like I feel like the whole center of this foolishness is going to be Mora. I mean, obviously, but just like, what are you hiding? Because the same exact thing happened during X of Swords, like when we got that retelling of how Araco came to be. And it was like one perspective was highly limited because that was apocalypse scenario. You didn't see what happened on the other side. The second time you got Summoner and Summoner told a very redacted version of what happened so that he can get his father's attention. And then you get the final one from Genesis, which was the truth. And Genesis was like, it actually happened in a completely different order. And when I lost my sister is when I knew that Araka was lost and I went and surrendered myself to the, um, to Annihilation. And all of those things compounded together, it seems to be like this form of retelling the same story over and over again is going to be recurring throughout the rest of the Dawn of X, you know, sequence. I feel like it tells something, but I think it also applies that we see Myra's perspective of what happened there. And we see, I guess this must have been like Destiny's recollection of what happened, but I think there's a third perspective there, which might be Mystique that applies to all of this. I don't 100% believe I, Mystique was 100% down with the calls until Magneto and Xavier showed the ass. And I got this idea in this issue that Mystique's whole statement here wasn't about turning on. I feel like this was the alternative. I feel like this is less about her intentionally wanting to burn down Krakoa, her saying, okay, there's a better way forward where I don't have to betray anyone, where I just go behind their back and just resurrect her anyway. And that's another thing too. Yeah, it's it's it was a lot in this issue because the thing that I'm still trying to figure out too is this trifecta going on between Warlock, Doug Ramsey, and Krakoa. Like, what are they planning? I was talking to a friend earlier, and we sort of came up with that um, that may be sort of a prelude for the Phalanx coming back uh, because mm-hmm. the Technarchs something with the. Um, sword going to go get the mysterium is going to draw the attention of the phalanx and bring them closer into earth and that somehow some way the technarchs are going to be involved in that and shout outs to tommy for uh, doing recon for x-force i know she was on x-force mm-hmm. well that's a smart idea i feel like it's sage doing that it's not a beast sage got her secret splinter agents other places if she, don't, if she don't knows like, better like Sink is a sink is a I'm sorry, Sage is a better uh strategist anyway. Right. And so how she's much, working. So how much of this do we think Emma Frost knows about? Because I'm getting this idea, as we all have, about that opening where everyone was like, This is after. Uh everyone has stated kind of like the opening of this issue where Emma Frost resurrected Xavier and Magneto happens at a different time period. Um, yes. after everything goes down. So in this image, I'm like, Emma Frost has made her power move. She's taking over because these two really can't be trusted to lead anymore. I think I definitely agree with that whole philosophy they were talking about. Like, oh, some people need to step down. But Magneto is the only person because Magneto is the only person with morality in that duo uh, to say, like, maybe I should really not be involved here. because I'm not really thinking I like, A, how I turned in this position. And B, I don't, need to be here because literally he said everything we're doing is a monument either to my failures or my shortcomings and my vision 
And he's the only person who can admit that his vision didn't include Krakoa if he wasn't forced to look at it. Whereas, whereas Xavier never lets go of power, always sits there and goes, well, there's other people here who are the issue. And I think maybe they should think about retiring, like Mystique. And I'm like, no, it really should be you too. Yeah, it really should be y'all too. Yeah. It's 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 really giving you days of our lives, dynasty, behind the scenes, people doing shit they shouldn't be doing. Like I really am over this like this secret uh, thing between Xavier, Mora, and Magneto, and then like them them planting a bug inside of Mora to keep track of her. It's like it's 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 like you can't you can't build a society off of secrets because someone's always going to spill the tea eventually. Like. Mm-hmm. All the, I don't know how you not how they don't think that any of this shit will catch up with them eventually. So who would you replace Magneto and Xavier with? Is the question. As far as like um uh as far as what, what house are they would they they're the 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 fall house the autumn house. Yeah, I think so. Um, cause like we have a missing seat. So if I had to do like a top three mutants to run to run the top. Three seats, I would say Emma, Storm, and Cyclops. Cyclops, he's the he's a war captain. He said he wouldn't do anything. Like the motion. He's a war captain. X-Men can't. Yeah, X-Men can't sit on the seat of the council anymore. No, fair enough. But I think that like that's why he should sit on the seat. Because hmm. he shouldn't be there. And For I think me, I won't blob. Either blob, blob or peepers. <laughs> you know, oh. the icon peepers um on that seat. Um oh. it has to be a brotherhood member, it has to be an X-Man, and it has to be um some dubious third that oh, wait, has existed since the start. I, I take back Cyclops to put Cora. Cora? I think I think the Rock Eye Mutant should be on 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 the um on one of the seats. There should be one on the, we have one on their seat, they should have one on ours. Uh, or it's I think fair. the Iraqis don't fuck with the Krakoans that hard for that to be a thing, though. It's you don't good. have all the options on their council, that's why. It's good, Mike. Well, I don't it's know. I think, I think, uh, it, Charles I think and, and Magneto walked up to Iska, and Iska was like, don't you even fucking ask me. I'm not coming. I don't know what happened. I think it was more like she don't respect them. She said, you guys brought flowers, but the whole point of the council in itself is that she's the highest of the high there. So I think as a representative to vote in their matters, even though she probably don't really agree with it, that's the only middle ground that they really have is that they do still vote over there on the uh, on the Great Ring, even though their votes more so are predicated by how much you can back up what you vote for. So it's like, we'll get to that in sort, but I think that's definitely an aspect that Iska would be able to understand, if not her, one of the horsemen. Death, particularly. I think Celine also would make a good person for that table. What about you, Bonta? I was going to say, I agree with Celine. I was actually thinking of her earlier because with her being old as shit, like, I feel like her being, I think like her, she'd have a lot of, I feel like she would have a lot of experience of, you know, handling like a government or, you know, something of that nature. So I, I would say Celine too. And who replaces Xavier? Because we already got Storm on the council, and we also got Kate on the council, and we already have Emma on the council. I think they're going to apparently just rotate it. Oh, 
finish of Laura seats. Chantel. Rose can Chantel can replace Emma on the um on the Hellfire. Council. She should. So yeah, it works. Yep, and then swap uh, Emma over to the fall. Because yeah. Chantel yeah. needs something to do. She just serving looks and handling crime, and that's that's, that's all we know she does. And teleporting niggas. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So, do we have any final thoughts on Inferno? I'm excited to see where it goes from here. Yeah. It's going to be some mess, and I'm here for all of it. Chaotic. I'm really happy they chose the most unexpected turn in a way that it's most expected because everyone was like, oh, we're going to wait to the end of Inferno before we get Destiny. That's the whole thing is about. And they just threw her on the table and said, why don't we just say, fuck that? Just get to the good stuff. Because it's the thing we all expected to happen, and they just gave it to us. I'm really happy that they did that. As a storyteller, I'm like, if you just give the audience what they want immediately, and so they have no more expectations for the rest of the story, it's a good strategy. I have a inkling on how they got Destiny there, but uh, I will Hope circle it. back to that um, when we get done with the other two books. All right. So we're going to slide our little asses over to... Sword number eight by the wind god, Vontae. All right. So we start this issue off with Storm hovering above Mars and her um, with her own personal atmosphere wrapped around her. And she is basically just um, talking about how um, she knows how Rocco thinks, what they expect of her. Um, her being their region, she took the title and how Araco, she won't break for Araco. She won't break yet. We go from that into um, the Circle Perilous. Um, basically, that is a arena where people, I guess, uh, compete or challenge one another for the seat for uh, one of the seats in the nine great ring, uh, nine seats of the great ring. Um, you have this one fiery character, um, Clatterack, who is basically calling Storm out, wanting to know where she is, calling her a coward. You have um, Frenzy and Cora sitting in the um, sitting in the crowd. And he's basically talking all this shit, saying that he's going to burn her to ashes and scatter her in her own winds. Next thing you know, you see a snowflake and then a tire, uh, an entire blizzard comes and Storm pops up. And he calls her a witch. She's like, if you're going to call me a witch, then put weather in front of it. Say it with respect. She's like, I have a meeting to get to. Do you yield? So we go from that into um, a data page um, discussing the nine seats of the Great Ring. So you already know we got the um, seats of um, dawn, day, um, dusk, and then you Ow. have the ground on. <laughs> and then you got the ground on which all of these rest and um storm takes the seat on table um in uh the seat of day and she is the seat of all around us so basically she is consulted on matters of the land the people the weather and the turn of the world and um whoever holds that seat is the region of Morocco. so storm is at the gray ring and she goes to take her seat um Loda, Lotus logo, I think I said that right. <laughs> he throws a knife at her. She catches it. I actually like that scene, by the way. But she catches it, and she's um, he's like, "That's yours to keep." And um, 
So Iska saying that, um, did you call us here to discuss a meeting? Um, she looks at Tarn and she says um, that um, I told you once before that an act against Krakoa is an act against me. And I told you to stay off of Krakoa and not to set foot on that land. And he's basically like, well, your people, the Hellions stole from me and I will um, set foot on that land again until I am satisfied. And um, basically Storm takes that as a challenge. And then um, we get a little bit of a scene where Storm is in the gray ring. She looks beat up and she has somebody on top of her that's taking her form. I'm not sure who that was, but um, basically it's showing that she fought for the seat um, in the great ring and she, she took it. So basically she calls out um, Tarn. She's saying um, not to be late, don't run because I'm finna hand you your ass. It's just saying, um, are you after her seat? And um, Tarn's like, I don't care for her seat she simply offends me and her death is motive enough for me. So an hour later, we're in the Circle Perilous. Tarn is waiting for Storm. Storm pops up. She says, good thing you aren't hiding. He says, um, uh, verbal jousting that pleases me. And um, he likes to have, he likes to break people's spirits, all this shit. And then he takes away her mutant abilities. So, he then proceeds to turn her into some horrible, disfigured version of herself. And um, he's basically telling her, you know, all you have to do is give up. You know, you don't, um, what is storm without the storm? You know, um, she was like, you don't know. And then she proceeds to take her knife and she shoves it in his chest. About, and it's resting right on his heart. So she's like, um, she says, all I have to do is touch this blade and I will end your life. And she said, that's all it will take. And he was like, I could kill you with a thought. She was like, okay, you're trying to test me. We can do this. And he was like, damn you, I yield. So she said, then we're done. And he starts saying that they will never accept her onto the council because she doesn't have her powers. They only, you know, the whole thing with Omega 11 mutants. And then Storm reassures him. She's like, I'm the regent. She says, I'm not going to give, she's like, I'm not giving up my title. So um, he's saying that that's crazy. You're broken. You can't think that you could possibly win any further challenges without your powers. Storm gives him a smirk like, just fucking try me. So he laughs. He calls her Storm the Uncaring, which is basically a spoof off his name. And he says that um, uh, you fooled me, all of that. He's like, um, you are, he's like, you're basically, basically he's saying that she's a force in Araco as well as Amon. So he pays her a compliment. So back at um, Storm's, um, back at Storm, excuse me, Storm's quarters on Araco, um, we have WizKid running tests just to make sure that there wasn't any DNA traps or anything. Um, he toyed with her powers in any type of way. And just to double check, she goes out onto the balcony and she creates a thunderstorm and makes it rain. And then we end the story with her creating a um, creating her face in the storm clouds and basically saying again that she will not break for Rocco. And that's how we end the story. And I will have to say, this was actually a really, really, really interesting story because 
for Storm to be taken from Earth and then put into a situation where she's in space and given this whole new title, I really, I really like the fact that they are giving her more of a. I'm trying to trying to see how I can say this. I like how they're basically exploring her in more of an intergalactic sort of setting. So I definitely feel like we, we're we going to see her more and more like diplomatic situations. What do you guys think about that? Um, before I hop on in, I want to ask a question because, you know, we we used to be the five and we each had a role in that. And then we changed to Araco because Araco is just better. Um, so do you guys think your tables fit you? <laughs> Because mine's fit me. <laughs> mine fits me too. Mine's definitely fits me. What's my table? <laughs> Didn't you choose table a table day? I didn't, I never picked a table. It was, it was technically only three tables in that hidden table. That that no one knows is on this on this this fourth table. Uh was it wait? Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, dawn, dawn day, day, dusk, and night. night. The night table. We don't know where's that. Who's on the three seats at the night table? That's the hidden table. Oh, that's your table night. So when did? So when do we think that this secret table was actually going to come? Like, is that going to pop out? Like, do you I think it's going to be like when, a diet. I think it's going to come up when um, they revisit. Uh, Sinister's um, breeding pits because there's it's supposed to be on Mars at some point in time. So I know right. that there's some sort of tie into that. Um, but they brought it up once and th- I know that that's seeding it for later. I have a feeling that one of these, or at least the reason why they aren't really known is that they're more like the exports of Morocco. So if that's the case, and they're like, we don't do shit by like, we're in your face and handling you i have a feeling then that's going to be the case there because i remember just like war was trying to poison wolverine and she was like the white sword ivory was just looking at her like that's some cowardly shit you're not supposed to be like that we are iraqi and as iraqis we are about strength um and but in that her poisoning him said a lot more about like oh not everyone on Morocco still vibes with that overall strength shit. Some of them were just about getting business done. And that wouldn't surprise me if Knight was really just about like, if you need an assassin to take someone out, that's who you call. Um, I still don't know what the horsemen were doing in particular sometimes. So some of them were, I guess, clearly, one at least one of them had to be an Omega. And we didn't get a chance to see at least one of their powers. So it'll be interesting to see. I like Storm being much more of a focus of sword on top of the other sword stuff. I think this gives Storm an opportunity to build her some kind of like like history and some kind of like story. Because like outside of like Storm's always either attached to a man or like you know they do a Storm miniseries is always very like cultivated with stuff that we already kind of already know. It's like mm-hmm. we actually are giving Storm a true identity in the X universe instead of her being like the best friend of Jean or Storm or uh, or Forge and and back. Black Panther's ex-girlfriends and you know stuff like that like I'm just really glad that she's like getting some shine I think that like this position while um it's cultivated specifically for her it's something that gives her like more of a history set of like it's always the same thing she's dating someone she has weather-based powers and she has claustrophobia yeah like what else 
Yeah, and I definitely. I was just oh, gonna so say I, that I, I've liked the how they've expanded the um the Iraqi government explanations. So like we didn't get these types of explanations for the Quiet Council seats. We get detailed explanations for each and every one of the seats of the Great Ring. But it's interesting because I noticed you guys in the group chat that they definitely retcon some stuff because Zylo was originally different from Stolgid. And either he must have, I, I want to think that he ate him <laughs> just because it was funnier to think of Zylo having eaten the loser of the um, challenge to make room for Storm um, and to shift his position away so he wouldn't have to deal with that. I prefer to think of it like that. But definitely something went down and that they decided that they can't just kill anyone in the council because they were popular. Um, we, when they introduced, you know, Sabunar and Laktuka and Zylo, in that giant in that planet size issue i think they had a lot more of a cult following than they anticipated because you can't really do that and then kill them off like if they had killed xylo or they had killed sabunar i would have been upset i mean i i enjoy these characters even though they don't really do nothing sometimes you just need characters who don't do shit you know <laughs> this that's the interesting thing about having x-men be the x-men is that there are characters around who don't do nothing but it's interesting to think about the things they will get into um I think I'm interested in seeing more about what's going to be like with Lotus Lois, because that introduction was very, very telling to me. This felt more like a zero issue on Storm. So if you wanted to introduce someone, it's like, oh, what kind of character Storm is? You would probably just give her them sword number seven and just say, read this, and you get her down to a T. You understand that she's not easy to kill. Her powers aren't the basis of her. There was a bunch of homages to past situations in here about her. Even making her face in the cloud is a thing she's done before. It was like a whole pivotal moment of her showcasing her full range of ability. Um, her taking down Tarn, who's quite clearly a difficult person to fight. Um, all of this sets up perfectly a Storm solo series. You can literally leap from this to a solo series if you were inclined exactly. to want to do that. Amen. Exactly. I just I found it interesting. I'm sorry. Go ahead this time. Sorry, <laughs> but I still think that since they're getting rid of so many X titles that I think they should go ahead and find it in the budget to go ahead and make an Iraqi a book for uh, Planet Iraqo because I really feel like with all everybody that's sitting on the council and, you know, everything that they're about, I really feel like that would make for an interesting story and seeing how they get into conflict with other civilizations in, in, the, um, in the galaxy. And we still haven't seen how the Shi'ar play into play a role with the mutants either. So that would be interesting to see how that may come up with Arako being a, uh, the seat of power for our solar system and how the mutants having a bigger play in galactic shit. Yeah, because I, yeah, I personally would like to see the Iraqi go against the Imperial Guard. <laughs> I would really like to see them beat their asses. You got homage to that whole situation the Dark Phoenix where he was all just duking it out. Uh, I miss that situation. I know that the Shi'ar are technically allies of the X-Men. Technically. Because yeah. they did send um, you know, Kid Imperius. I think his name was Kid Imperius or something. The Shi'ar, like the son of the Imperial Guard. Like he was oh, Kid like, Gladi Wolverine. Kid Gladiator. Yeah, Kid Gladiator. Yeah, Gladiator's son, Key Gladiator. So I remember when he was in Wolverine and the X Men, 
um, and he was just, you know, chilling at the institution, even though he wasn't in, and he was their diversity admission. <laughs> but it was like giving very much like we have friends in space, even though they never come to help us. Um, but why would they? It's like a small matter being like genocide by a planet. They deal in world wars. They don't deal in like your country's oppression. <laughs> but now that Araco is Araco, the planet, and there's no planet Mars anymore, it's going to be interesting. I wanted to see in this issue an actual fight, though. And I like the character work that they did here. But how many times, and I understand why they did it. I know this is probably good for introductions to the character. But we have now seen Storm replay that knife situation so many times that it's more iconic than when T'Challa does a knife, right? Like, T'Challa is known for putting a knife where it belongs. We get that. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Storm does not need equal amounts of moments like that. I would have preferred to see her need more in that opening statement she made where she says, as Omega, I traffic in casual miracles all the time, which is a perfect example, a perfect one-sentence statement of why Omegas are great. Um, they traffic in miracles. Storm literally flying from Earth to Mars in her own bubble is amazing shit. But I think in this situation, Storm would have been better hosted by like representing her full range of abilities. So deactivating her X gene and then she can still manipulate weather, let's just go there. I would much prefer that over anything else because it would it would lean more into her magical heritage like everyone wants her to. Um, it will also just guarantee that we never have to deal with her losing her powers again. Yeah, because yeah, every time she loses her powers, it's always like a sad ass like story. Yeah, and they've done they've done that so many times. It's like, okay, I mean, I get it. You know, we're trying to show her skill set. You know that she doesn't need her abilities, but at the same time, I'm like, she's an omega level mutant. Like she, I mean, they classified her as an omega level mutant. What like all of three years ago? So I really feel like now they need to start testing her abilities and kind of push her limits a little bit. And I feel like Tarn, that whole issue with Tarn, like I they really could have did a lot better with that. Me personally, I I want more of a fight. It speaks to how much, how powerful Storm is and how much Tarn actually respects her, that the very first fucking thing he does is take her powers. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that I idea in this that he respected her, it wasn't like lost on me that, oh, it wasn't that he disagrees with her on principle that she is like not respectable. It's that she's a Krakoan, and so she gets no respect. And also because she's a black woman, but that's another thing. But all of the Krakoan, I'm um, sorry, all of the Iraqi, as we've seen in throughout these issues that we read today or read this week, they're all black as fuck. As fuck. And so. And I think that I appreciate that about this issue. Like, I think everyone stated that they had issues with the art. Many people online, um, there were like key just inconsistencies in some places that I do agree with. But I think like the the decision to depict a lot of the Iraqi mutants with at least the humanoid Iraqi mutants with like black features that are more prominent, like Iska um, being drawn with uh, more fuller lips. I say I appreciated that because you know we were in those issues way back when where they were just they removed Iska's braids and they just turned it into like a helmet and it's like just say you can't draw black hair. Right. Right. And I think that's the thing too that like also like on the other side of it, 
if you look at the Krakoa memes that are of, that are black, not of color, specifically black, Sync, Manifold, Storm, Tempo, they all are either Omega level or Omega adjacent. And maybe there's a legacy within black mutants where they are just naturally much more powerful. And I'm not saying this to be like racially divisive. Not that I would I'm saying this to be racially divisive. <laughs> I'm just saying. my role here. That like even like Monet Saint Croix, every black, most of the black characters that are in the X Men are all powerhouses, or either on their way to be a powerhouse. Hell, Prodigy's the only person they left stay on, even though he lost his X gene. Right, but he still was that. He was he still was that girl. I don't know like many black mutants within the X Men, you know, uh, uh, characters that are like beta level. Tag. I was thinking tag. I wasn't gonna say it. But then even like even but even He's embarrassing. But yeah. but even but let 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 let's 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 go there. Let's go there. Tag could have the abilities eventually. Like if you look at tag, tag has an omega level copy, which is black tuna. Black tuna knows everything is in the universe at all times. You think tag couldn't evolve to that at some point? But tag's power is run the fuck away from this person I tagged. Right, yeah. but, he can keep, but he can keep track. But maybe he can evolve to keep in track of that. We never got a chance to see that, though. They used dead? him as the. He, he was dead when he got blown up in the um in the bus. But he, I assume they brought him back. But he's never really been featured since. He had a small moment in the House of M storyline where he made a man kill himself by accident. But right now he. He was just like Hellion's best black friend. That's all he was. That was his role. And he had this really dumb power. The power was, wasn't good. I think that was the era when they were just throwing powers at mutants just to make it seem interesting. Like it was like a quirk. It was more like my hero academia power than like anything else. Cause I'm like, that's not cool at all. And I think it's because they're trying to do that thing where every, like in the original New Mutants, where the Hellions had an inverse version of the powers of all the New Mutants. So I think Tag was supposed to be the inverse of Prodigy, where Prodigy takes in information as a telepath. Um, Tag projects information as a telepath. And so it was just, as a mind controller, so it was just reverse but stupid. I don't know. I would like to have seen his powers grow where he was just full-blown mind control. That would have been more preferable, but Tag is like the outlier because he wasn't meant to be more than a Black best friend. Speaking of best friends, <laughs> I think it's time to move on to. Uh, do we have anything else that we want to say about uh, Sword? Um, Frenzy's better be happy she didn't step into that arena. Frenzy wasn't uh, going to. She knew better. She was making jokes like that, but I'm like, you know, she killed her best friend. She killed Calypso, baby. You're not going to. You're not going to. Without the powers, also another knife fight. I'm like you. I love black women. I love you, frenzy. You know I. I love frenzy. You're not gonna win. You're not gonna win. Go somewhere. I mean, frenzy. I'm pretty sure she could hit a good thousand push up and under a minute, but no, she ain't ready. (laughs) Like you know, you stand, Carrie. Carrie Hilson, don't. No, Carrie. Okay, so. And with that, uh, I believe Table Day closes. <laughs> <Here's> table. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, Stephen, what? <laughs> so we'll move on now to uh, Wolverine number 16. All right, Wolverine number 16 is a homoerotic fantasy of animagic. The end. <laughs> literally. <laughs> um, so they no, literally. <laughs> right. So basically, we're getting to down to the bottom of these goddamn Muramasa blades that Solemn has still from um, Wolverine while also backdooring his way into Krakoa and living on his own island that he has shacked up with all kinds of freaks and whores and all kinds of shit going on. Um, also, within this book, we have a double triple cross between uh, Wolverine and Solemn and, and Sever, uh, Sever, what's that man's last name? Probably what it was. It was a yes. three-way. Yeah, it's like it, it was like it's like a three-way triple cross. It was a game bang. Um, Sever tells his back. I mean, that's Sever. Uh, Solemn tells his backstory about his like real life things that he experienced. He tried to like you know be compassionate towards Wolverine, but it's it's really like about nothing. He's playing a, a long game. Emma's hip to the bullshit, and Emma's like, okay, we need to clear this up really quick, fast, and hurry. Black Tom and Wolverine figure out that this man has been living on the island in this secret location all this time. And and in this location, he has the logic, um, the logic crystal that, that they've been that he's been hiding that used to power up Arbor Magna for um resurrection. And he has a cerebral helmet as well that he's been hiding. Um, the thing about this issue that was also very important was Sage's logbook about the things that are going on and her invest in her interrogation of Solomon. And one thing she knows very clearly, and I quote, he really, really wants to fuck Wolverine. Then again, he really, really wants to fuck everyone and everything. Um, this is starting to become a Solemn Stan account. Um, I Rams. love a good old a good old indulgent whore. Um, I will say that, like in 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 lieu of National Boyfriend's Day, I nominate Wolverine and Solemn as a couple. He already licking he already licking uh, Cyclops's tank while he digging out jeans, so I could imagine what you know, a little digging if I saw her nobody. Um, I'm just saying that, like, I hope they win. But the the issue ends with Wolverine finally having both Muramasa blades through all the game plan and, and catwalling and back and forth. We don't know if Solemn is ally or anti-hero but we're gonna solve spot for him but in the midst of all this the hand are involved and we don't know why and some lady from the hand has been resurrected and she looks very crazy but very familiar she looks because oh, um you, you know who she looked like she looked that lady who was on batman beyond with the with the uh with the, with the swords that ninja chick who she looks like or katana no no it was some lady in batman beyond she had like I'm gonna Google her and put it to the uh, group chat. But yes, okay. uh, thoughts, accusations, concerns. Okay. Well, first of all, <laughs> I think it's because those are the X of Swords villains, um, who they have to fight for the Muramasa blade in the first place. But could you imagine having to top solemn? That would be uncomfortable. He's made of metal, so like <laughs> those buns are cold. You gotta push. Oh. I mean, mm-hmm. Logan can handle it. I mean, he's got metal underneath his penis. So and I'm he's sure got, he's um, and he got uh, uh, a whole skeleton and a healing factor. He'll be all right. I think mm-hmm. it's very interesting that Emma Frost was reading uh, Solemn's mind and was like, I didn't think it was fucking possible, but this nigga wants to fuck Krakoa. 
and he probably has. He did. No, he did. It wasn't like <laughs> I wanted. He did. He did it. He made it work. This and nigga you know is fucking anything with a pulse. Like his sex drive like is like his sex drive is like really through the roof. Does Krakoa make that honey? <laughs> right, clearly. <laughs> Does Krakoa have their own poppers? Right, they need to. I bet you Blob sell them. <laughs> he keep them behind. He keep them behind the um behind the, behind behind the bar. The bar. Yeah. He got. He got. He got. He got a whole pack. He got poppers, honeys, and uh, emotives for the evening. Mm-hmm. And can't Toad's, go wrong. And Toad sells the uh, Viagra and the prep. Right, exactly. The uh, versatile uh, tri pack. Come get yours right now mm-hmm. at Mr. Blob's uh, uh, Sex and Shack. <laughs> they don't. They don't no. do Blob justice. The what thing I was trying to figure out. Me. No, I was just gonna say the thing I was trying to figure out about like Solomon's like, who does he remind me of? I said, oh wait, he's a mixture of Deadpool and Dawkins. Mmm, that's fair. That's fair. So he but, has UTI dick too. Wow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I can't imagine what kind of STIs are in Araco. That's, oh my god! Oh my god! I, I want to see. Probably what, literally piss acid. I want to. Uh, Maybe I really, I really feel like they piss. But, but, but wait, did, but but Iraq will probably happen before colonialism. Oh. They may not have STIs. You right. You right. You right. Is this syphilis universal? I think they had syphilis for like eons. Uh-uh, I think syphilis but, came but from but white people fucking sheep. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but mutants really can't get STIs. Anyway, that's true. Right. Yeah, that's a whole weird storyline. Yeah. Yeah, mutants are um they they can fuck or do whatever and not catch any STDs. So what is um Solemn doing with his own resurrection protocols? Basically, just I, tucked away. I think it's for he can take the advantage of the Krakoan benefits while being in Iraqi, but also. He's realized that a he can still be hurt other ways, um, even if he has an adamantium skeleton, and he's given Wolverine, you know, the more monster blades. I think it's just so he can have a backup plan just in case. Right. So, how do you think he came across or came able to get all of these supplies? Because I, I think, think he may have been somehow working with whoever Mystique has been working with. Because how would Destiny have come back? And this is the only other version of the resurrection protocols that we've seen. It's he said like I think we were listening in that issue like a measure of things that he was doing because he's been playing a long game of getting the right people at the right time. So he has stolen the eggs himself from the hatchery because as we have established, they have shit security. There's no one watching that place. No one's watching the hatchery. <laughs> so he's went in there, took that. The cerebral was probably the hard thing to get. Um, but he got the Logos crystals. I think he said that he took the Cerebro from someone's shelf because they said someone had a copy of the Cerebro in their home from when, uh, I'm not sure if it was one from when Charles got shot or it was an earlier development of one from when the uh, from when Legion blew up the room. But there's an extra copy of it somewhere. He got that and he got the crystals. Um, so he's built this all himself, and this is in the end game for everything going on so far. I just think it, however, he got his shit, that that is how Mystique ended up 
being able to resurrect Destiny. So don't get me wrong. I think he's entirely involved because all of this points to the fact that what Wolverine has suspected all along, which is Krakoa isn't infallible. Krakoa himself will do shit shady. Like he made another no space. And now everyone knows that no spaces exist, a space where Kokoa itself doesn't know that anything's going on in there. Um, and they're like kind of freaking out about it. And now they're also realizing that if Kokoa can make more of these, who knows what Kokoa will agree to. Um, we now also know that Kokoa is low-key a hedonist because he fought Solon. So if that's possible... It's moods, but it's also like he's a known vampiric entity, and now he has an island full of mutants, and there's no telling what he won't do now. Um, and I think that's why we also in Inferno got that close up on um, Cypher, where it was like there's something going on. Like Bay opened her eyes, and she was like something was off. Um, I think there's something going on there, and I think. Krakoa is at the root of some of these issues itself. And mostly just because Krakoa hasn't not been watching everyone move. Krakoa has been watching everybody. <laughs> it's like you forget that they're on a living island that's that is cognizant of everything going on at all places on it. But people right. have been doing shady shit on Krakoa from the start. And it's not like not learning anything. And that's the important thing that I'm like thinking is that Krakoa has been corrupted not just as a society but as the island itself fair enough but i guess i guess the, i guess we'll see because the thing like even in this issue the thing that i also noticed was that um emma frost is hiring solemn for some kind of hellfire related work and i think that what i've been noticing over the last few weeks since the hellfire gala is that emma has been amassing power in Krakoa. And I think mm-hmm. no one's really clocking it. Wolverine is. He's the only one I think who's like capable of looking at her. Because he knew, like, who, he knew who to go to. He knew exactly who to go to. He didn't go to anybody else. He said, no, I'm going to talk to her. Mm-hmm. He said, and then she's conscripted him into the Marauders temporarily to be like, right. no, you work for me right now, sweetie. Which is a good right. idea. I'm like, you can get the rogue. You need a rogue. You can't get Gambit. Go get Solemn. Right. Because Solemn is like, he's a hedonist, so he wants to feel things. He's a pipe and he's like, And you know, the best person to control him is Adam. So, yeah. <laughs> he's a Pisces. He wants to feel all the emotions and all the things. So, Solemn is probably great out in the field because he gets to do what he gets to do. And also, they they don't want to put him in the hole. That was one of the things that they talked about in the book, too, is that, like, Sage was just like, we should put him in a hole, but he probably has a better usefulness outside of it. So I think he probably slide over the X Factor soon or slide over to the Marauders, one or the other. He's going to X Factor. Don't put him close to no covert secrets. <laughs> he will sell it out. I think Marauders is right where he needs to be because as long as Emma Frost gives him what he needs and never gives him what he wants, which is probably to fuck either Wolverine or Emma herself. Um, and Emma knows how to sell sex and never, never, ever, 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 ever lets you hit. Well, the thing he was most attracted to her wasn't just the fact that she was a telepath. He's like, you can turn into diamonds. And I think there was that moment of like, oh shit, there's another mutant kind of like me right now. She's indestructible. It means I can do whatever I want. Well, that would be, be an interesting child. That would be an interesting session. 
Is this very session much Jessica very Jones? Long. Very much Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. Except that literally trailer part, but yes. Yes, trailer part, but also I just remember again, Solem is black. So yeah, it's very much given that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm happy we also come around to the fact that when we were discussing like why we we're so happy that X Corp was canceled and it's no longer happening again. Um, and some people are like, oh, well, what about Wolverine? Because we were back and forth with it. I'm like, there's a difference with Wolverine. Wolverine can give us a good two issues sometimes where we get in our rocky shit. Um, and then it goes back to being just stupid when you're dealing with like vampires for no reason. I'm like, if you can just give us two issues out of all of them where we're like, this is interesting. And if you're messing with characters we don't usually might not be able to get to see, that's acceptable. You can't just give us five issues of nothing. Yeah, that there was a whole like run where Maverick was in the book and there were vampires involved. I stopped reading that whole fucking section. I didn't read none of that shit. That storyline still not over. They haven't finished it. They're just gonna come back to it. I think they just hit pause because everyone hated it so much. And um Omega Red too. Just keep all of that. Sh- Nobody wants to read that. The last thing we saw was they went to Death to come handle the vampires. And Death was like, bet, let me get my sword. And that's the last thing you heard. Nothing else. I was feeling going to wrap it up in a side book or something because they can't keep that up. I'm not paying for it. (laughs) I mean, Wolverine's about to get a whole fucking event to himself. Yes, he is. And I do not know why. No one asked for it. Uh, no one asked. It was the neckbeard. It was a neckbeard at a comic shop. Who so still paid for Wolverine? Because he's the best X Man. No, he's not. No, he's not. No, he is not. He's yeah. really not. He's got all that extensive history, and he's still not. He's not carrying it for me. At a point, <laughs> they just have a VP in storylines. He doesn't go through growth at all. The best thing that ever happened to him was X twenty three, and the nerds hated X twenty three when she was introduced. Um, very much. I don't getting, understand why. Because you were like, oh, she's a cartoon character. And like, you're just, she's just a fake Wolverine. And I was like, yeah, but, but they, they started sexualizing like, her. They all Harley Quinn. They all want to fuck Harley Quinn. Okay. First of all, it sounds racist to me. It sounds anti-Latinx. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to say what it is. They don't want no brown woman uh, taking over Wolverine mantle, even though Wolverine sticks his dick in every color of the fucking rainbow. And I would really love the white gays and white geeks to like chill the fuck out. X twenty X twenty three is Wolverine. She is that girl. If you want to fight, um, I live in Notion Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. Let's get it. And I live in downtown Baltimore, so we can roll up. Right. Let's go. Let's get it. Like X twenty three is that girl. She's everything. I love. I love X twenty three. I love her as Wolverine. I I love her in the X Men book. I think she's a better. She gives us nothing, and we still love it. She's doing literally nothing every issue. And that's exactly what you expect from a proper Wolverine is to show up, cut some shit, and have romantic tension with people. You know? That's, <laughs> that's, what, that's the whole purpose of being a Wolverine. Literally, is that you're supposed to just be the hot person with a knife. Yeah, like she's a father's child. That's, that's her daddy's baby. You know, that's her favorite. It's his favorite child. Because you know he don't. <laughs> He don't speak to Jimmy or Dakin or Ray's or Gabby. He always yeah, speaks he, to Laura. Yeah. 
like Gabby, he's getting familiar with. He said, you know, you my baby's little sister. So he's like, I gotta get to know you. He he loves uh, he loves the women in his life. Remember, he loves the women in his life. He don't give a fuck about these niggas. He's like a grandpa. This is this is grandbaby. I you know, that's his that's like, you know, they have their 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 time sometimes, but he's mostly there for, you know, his daughter. You know, that's the important part. Dokken, channel support. Ray's, he's finally saying that might not be his kid. He's demanding a DNA test. There's a lot of people with, with, with healing factors in this world. And he's a shapeshifter. It could be anybody's son. It could be anybody. But that's Wolverine. <laughs> that's Wolverine. Now we need to move into our lovely, excellent circuit party topic led by the legendary Black Word. Ooh, Get over y'all. Give y'all Black Word. Sexual chocolate. Yes, yes. <laughs> table dust has the table. So, Welcome. And as Table Dust, as we recently learned, I'm all about arts, history, and laws. And so, in honor of the Infernal event, we are going to be discussing the life and validity of Madeline Pryor, specifically because she's become, she'll be coming back soon. Um, as you know, the five have now declared the, the council don't run shit, and they no longer control anything. And I'm really happy also that this week um, has declared Officially, that Myra also realizes that she can't control the five, nor should she try to control the five. Um, they control the resurrection protocol. They're taking full autonomy over that. The council can weigh in, but as you now notice, the council is losing its power rapidly. So in this, we are going to be seeing Maddie soon, um, which has been subject to some scrutiny. You know, Madeline Pryor is a very popular character. So I wanted to yield the floor to the rest of you. What is your observations about the dynamics of Madeline Pryor and how does she fit in as a clone um, and as an individual? Because I did know some people have reflected on the Madeline Pryor situation. And yeah, at the time during the Infernal event, which I reread for today, um, they kind of kind of swept her under the rug as just some clone. When in reality, like Jean coming back did some deeply like vile shit to her as a person. So yeah, what is your reflection on Madeline Pryor? I think she has like justifiable rage against the X-Men proper. Um, mm -hmm. and that most of the X-Men really sort of dicked her over. Um, I think she may or may not have some sort of allegiance to Sinister, but she very much so could not. Um, I think her only real, real ally is Celine at this point, um, mm -hmm. since they work together in uh, both the Sisterhood and Hellfire Club. Was she? She was Red Queen. I think so. Um, I believe so. So I think Celine is the only person that's going to be welcoming her back, um, other than Havoc, uh, who is like has a hard on for his brother's ex wife. It's very confusing. Very, very Havoc's very yeah. confused. Yeah. Well, they're both very damaged in some psychological way. So I can see how they both gravitated towards one another. Didn't she also <laughs> try to holla at um, Nate Gray, X Man? Was that also? Yeah. Yeah, like, I don't think so. It's creepy, too, because he's, like, the alternate reality version of her son. Like, they're not doppelgangers or anything, but it's like, oh, if if dad had did this instead of this, 
I would have been his firstborn son. And it's like, that's kind of weird, Maddie, girl. You might need to balance the meds a little bit. Like, just change your prescription a little bit because something's off. And, like, maybe it's the demons whispering in your ear, but <laughs> this is not this is not a good decision. They need to get all amazing. of these sexual bullshit with her. It's always like I don't like there. I don't really like this incestual this incestuous bullshit with her. I don't like the fact that like Madeline was gone for a very long time, then resurfaced in X Men after he came back when he was put into the um six one six after the Age of Apocalypse. Then she becomes this very like you know normal person leading superhero teams, and then we found her living in some basement like the people under the stairs, crazy and shit with Marauder clones. And and back her Goblin Queen shit like it's like the regression of Madeline Pryor and Havoc did not make sense to me and and I just don't like the regression because Madeline was on her shit at one point now she's back to being crazy again. I think that like at one point they were like oh we're never gonna resurrect her because I remember Cyclops walk past Havoc on step in tears and he's all destitute and shit about not being able to resurrect some woman that he's like what happened like back you know won't resurrect my wife. Like he was more upset about he was more upset about Madeline than Cyclops was, and he really like honestly like in the first Inferno event like they really only had like one maybe intimate night together, and I'm like, why are you so like? Because he's a simp. Why are you so butthurt? Like, <laughs> right. He's a simp. That's why, and it's also ironic because you know who else never got asked about that? Kid Cable. No one talked to Kid Cable about that. Oh, you that's right, his that's, mother. That's his mom. <laughs> that's his mother. And he's a teenage kid. I'm like, no one asked him about it. No one mentioned it to him. I'm like, Cable is still around for some reason. And I'm like, no one asked Hope, especially because that's her grandmother. No one yeah, like, asked a so bunch of questions. people about it. And so everyone's just pretending like, oh, Jean Grey is enough for everybody. And it's like, no, she is not. It's one thing, it's like, that's the issue, I think, that the five died that was really important, was that they were talking about the autonomy of a whole lived person. Like, Madeline Pryor wanting to kill y'all is justifiable because y'all erased her as soon as Jean Grey came back. And y'all took her child away from her. I'm like, yeah, she tried to sacrifice him or whatever. But she was, like, having an off day, you know? <laughs> I'm really hoping that that in this Inferno event, we found out that Hope, Hope Summers is really the one pulling the strings so there's another redhead behind the scenes doing all this bullshit because she she needs to advocate for her her technical grandmother, her adoptive grandmother. She needs to advocate for um um for like Madeline because like I feel like with Madeline, like and like you said, Dr. Showtime, like she's justifiably pissed. Like just she 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 be she should be the one behind the scenes. She used her psychic abilities to 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 convince the rest of the of the five to resurrect Destiny. I want I Madeline need to pop up in the story. So I need Madeline in this somewhere because Madeline Pryor isn't just some hobo. Like she's a better. I'm gonna argue this is a radical take. She's a better telepath than Jean. Like Amen. She has her full potential, but she has like I'll never forget X Men Volume Four when she came back to life when they resurrected her. And that moment when she's in the bedroom and she's feeling cunt, and she's in that whole little the whole boob window situation, and she was looking over at um at Sublime's little sister. I forget her name. It was like Archaea or something. Archaea. Archaea. And 
Yeah, and then she was like, you're going to bow to me because Celine bowed to you. She's like, I don't give a fuck what Celine Galileo did. That's not good sis. I love her. But like, she be doing goofy shit sometimes. You know, and I'm not bowing to you because you're weaker than me. You can't do shit here. And then Celine was like, you know what? It's like a real bitch to tell me that. You right, Maddie. Let's go. They rolled the fuck out. And then as soon as that happened, Rachel Summer came up feeling like she was about her shit. And then she said, this is called a telepathic explosion. And put her on her ass. That's a moment. That's a G moment. And Storm looking across the aisle and going, Maddie. And she goes, Aurora. That's how you obtain icon status. You know? A little moments like this where it takes you under two pages to command the attention of the entire issue. I'm like, all of that happened. And I was like, okay, Madeline Pryor's back to life. We're about to get a bunch of issues for her as the villain. And then we don't get it. She don't appear for like another year. And then when we do see her in X-Men Blue, she's some alternate reality version of herself who's right. some like high school teenager personality that really isn't about nothing. And then we have to wait until now to see her do anything. She's insane in a basement. That they part. Really do her, yeah, they really do her dirty. And especially for somebody that not one, not two, but like three different X-Men teams at the same fucking time, like I really feel like she deserves she deserves a lot more. Like, like you said, like her being like in the basement being crazy as a motherfucker, like that's just not I just don't like that they do that with Madeline. Like Madeline to me is like the better version of Jean Grey in some aspect. I'd, I'd argue almost every. Yeah, like almost every. <laughs> I really want I would love if Navarro like reflected on her friendship, right? With Maddie and went, you know what, sis? I know I'm best friends with Jean and I love her down, but as a ruler, I have to say we did you wrong. Come with me to Araco. You will be way happier there. They have magic there. You know, you love you some magic. They have demons there. You love you some demons. I feel they have... a way about inviting the white woman to the Black's house. That's very like, you're invited to the barbecue. I don't, I don't see Listen, that. listen, listen. There's a difference in this, in that I don't think Maddie technically qualifies as having a race. <laughs> she is whatever Sinister put into the machine at the time. So Which was Gene's DNA, and Gene is white <laughs> as fuck. I really feel like they have enough room on Araco for her to have her own little goblin force somewhere. She won't she's a goblin queen. Let, yeah, like she, she's a goblin queen. Give her a little but, section of the force on Kokoa and let her have a little goblin. She has the most Araki personality ever. She's like, what did you do when you gave birth to your child? Oh, well, I was having a moment. I tried to sacrifice him to some demons. I'm like, that's more rocky shit. Right, <laughs> that, you right, know, that part. So I was just tripping, honestly. Um, but I also tried to kill this girl who tried to take my husband. And then almost panned out very well. I was so close. It was just this one thing didn't pan out like the way it went. Yeah, she, ain't no shit about, she ain't no shit about me, but, you know, fuck her. I was going to kill her. <laughs> So she ain't do shit to me, but exists. But her existence was a threat. I think Tarn would fuck with her the long way. I'm like, Tarn would, like, oh, you my kind of girl. <laughs> I just think also that in terms of Storm existing on Araco, 
I think there needs to be that consideration to Storm that's always kind of exists, that she needs a dark force kind of whispering in her ear to do the thing she knows she has to do. It's very much like scandal, Olivia Pope with her mother. And she going to her mom's like, I want you to tell me not to do the thing I know I need to do. And her mom was like, why do you need me to hold your hand and tell you not to do the thing you know is the thing you need to do? Go commit murder. Go do a genocide. I would love if Maddie told Storm, like, you know, you need to destroy this planet. And just the first time ever, you get to see Storm wipe out an entire planet. I'm waiting for it to happen. I want to see it happen. I want to see Storm to go a little crazy and blow up the planet. All the grades got to do it. Why can't her? Why can't she? This is true. Because she has access to the goblin force. I want to see Storm create a, a weather anomaly so massive it wipes out the entire planet. I do. And that makes me a bad person. Take out Titan. Have a beard. Um, and get rid of the Eternals. Or um, take out whatever... Um, Okay, you thought you fucking slick saying that shit. Hold on. Or take out whatever backwoods-ass planet that the Inhumans have been hiding on. Take them the fuck out all the way, since they wanted to fuck with the fucking mutants before and replace them by genocide. I want to see Oh, can you imagine Storm killing the Attilans? Because I've never agreed also with how to end it with like Storm being demoted from the headmaster and leader of the X-Men because they wanted to argue that it was a bad idea for her to stop them. Like that was a that was what she should have did. There was no, oh, I betrayed Xavier's dream by going to war with the inhumans. They tried to kill you and your people. Rogue contracted the X Plague. So she had Xbox, she was gonna die. So many people were dying, like many mutants died. They didn't bring it up. In the annihilation discussions when Xavier was like, oh, we lost this many mutants in Genosha. How many mutants died to the X-Pox? Right. They only brought up the humans. Um, the human atrocities. I'm like... But they didn't... Not one time did they bring up uh, Medusa and Black Bolt and them. Not one time. If I was writing for the X-Fab, I would like... I wouldn't the first person in the room would raise my hand and go... They really should have a problem with the Inhumans. Like, if the X Men aren't going to do it, I'm like, the Brotherhood would definitely have an issue with the Inhumans just walking around and being okay, honky dory. When they they contracted a fucking disease that targeted a specific demographic in the world, and instead of taking it out, they said we're just going to go around saving people from the clouds. I'm like, that's not a good fix. Like, you're you're treating the the fucking symptom and not the problem. Like, you you made a terrigen mist to cover the planet. And it's, it's drifting everything, but like it's killing people, and you have the technology to get rid of it, and you're not. Okay, so we got to kill you. Maybe that's just my personality. You know, I'm on dust table. It's not light nor day, but I'm very right. black and white to it. I also agree with Emma Foster. She said we should put a bullet in Wanda's head. I was like, yeah, good thinking, smart, do that. I would have been the first person to volunteer. Like we should kill Gene. <laughs> Do we lose here? Oh. What does that mean? I was saying, yeah. like, I would have said kill Gene. Um, Gene would have died with the Dark Phoenix Saga. The first five minutes fucking with me. I am very pro. Um, this is the table of, of uh, the seat of above us. Um, know where everything is. And I know um, 
where they had all of us fucked up was allowing any of these niggas to live. Emma Frost has been right since she's been around. Mm-hmm. She's been reminding the girls, yeah, um, so you remember Jean and the whole Phoenix thing? Yeah, I was here for that. Kill her. Um, yeah, uh, Wanda's around, same sort of thing. Yeah, kill her too. Um, when Maddie comes back, you you probably want to get her too. Like, come on, guys, listen. <laughs> like, weaken her powers a little bit, maybe. Like, that's the like you're in the room with Sinister. Like, maybe just tone that telekinesis down a little bit. Like, she's Omega. Take that down to the Alpha. <laughs> give her a limit. Like, go ahead and and swap. Like, let her be Jean, but give her. Give her Betsy's uh, ex gene. She's not as strong. Better yet, give her Rachel's. <laughs> then Rachel, well, they, won't, they, 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 Rachel won't have her her one and only use of being a time skimmer. Well, well, well the gag is with, with, the, with the Summers women, I mean, the gray women, is that like none of them really have any power unless they are like connected to the Phoenix Force, and the Phoenix Force is basically non existent. So Maddie's technically the stronger one because she has the Goblin Force. So, you know, shape the truth. Isn't that amazing how the gray women require a man to be as powerful as they need to be? Because like Maddie's completely tapped into the goblin force, and that's what that's what's that's that's the comeuppance we really need to see. The comeuppance I'm ready for is when are we going to tell Thor he's a mutant? I know people <laughs> try to forget about that storyline that happened, but Thor's a mutant, and they I'm brought like, it up hey. again in this week's Thor, and I don't want to talk about it. Has he, is he going to go to Krakoa? I would love to see him walk through a portal and just get No, they, they turned it into like a cute-ass moment where um, Freya, is that, is that her name? Mm-hmm. Freya, uh, Freya came up to him and was like, yes, we know that Gaia was, uh, was your, mo- we, it was who we thought your mother was originally, and now we know that it was the Phoenix, but I was your mother, I was the one that raised you, that type, type of shit. Here we go, losing Isaiah. Here we go, losing Isaiah for Asgard. Here we go. Here we go. Motherfucking uh, Jean Grey. I mean, the Phoenix Force sitting inside of Bodega, seeing Domino. All right, child. Here we go. All she needs is a fiery CVS way. She'd be good to go. Right. And the Phoenix Force is chilling with Echo right now. Big confusion. I know. That's why they're giving Echo a lot of attention in upcoming, like, an uh-huh. upcoming show. But I'm like, that's not going to go off. Like, who is Echo? Who cares? But like the Phoenix Force is Jean's, okay? Like we we may not give Jean all her flowers all the time because we honestly think that she gets too many flowers sometimes. But I will not deny I mean, Jean. She can't keep her blood sugar within normal range. You know, it's she just pack, she don't she don't pack any type of snacks on the XJ. You know, I imagine taking her diabetes medicine on an empty stomach and her blood sugar drop. You know what? It's a free, like, I'll be fair to Jean. It's a free job. She's not getting paid for this shit. I too would have a headache every five seconds and pass out. (laughs) So, oh, we need me to lift something and I get paid $5. Scott? (laughs) Fuck. It's over. Where's Rogue at? Let's go. (laughs) Fuck. Rogue is sitting with Polaris drinking Starbucks and minding her country ass business. She ain't got no time for business. (laughs) She's fucking her man. Right. He's caring for her cats. (laughs) 
Rogue is tending to her diaphragm, her plan B, and her uh and her um and her other contraceptive so she don't get pregnant. Rogue is thinking about nobody else. Casually right family dinners with her mama destiny. You know good and damn well she got that good old Krakoa Nexplanon implanted in her arm. She good. Right. The on, the only glove in that relationship is the one on uh, Gambit's dick because she ain't getting knocked up. Going to swinger parties because you know, Rogue probably definitely said it. it's not cheating as a dude, especially when especially when Gambit was in there having that car party at her house and had Rogue fucked up. Like you're not gonna be here playing spades in my house. Mm-mm, you brought all these niggers in here, uh-uh, uh-uh. right? Y'all gotta go. <laughs> and that's the thing. Do we think Rogue is Southern racist or because you know it can go either way? It can go they Southern and they're either super racist or they're white, and for some reason. They project a lot of like I don't tolerate no racist. My family walk with Dr. King. She gives trailer park trash, but I'm like I don't think anything she ever said to Storm. Storm seemed to be the only person she never had a problem with in that team. <laughs> uh, Rogue, no, Rogue knows I Storm see. too well to be saying some racist shit. She knows Storm yeah. will clock her shit. <laughs> yeah. I will say I know. Oh, go ahead. So I was gonna say I can't see her being that type of southern racist. I'm sorry. Maybe it's me being biased. I can't see her. I can't she see her. Dolly Parton, you know? Like, like if Dolly Parton says something racist, you will be actually heartbroken. <laughs> Rogue gives me Dolly Parton when she had that interview with um, uh, Patti LaBelle and they had the, mm-hmm. the nails and they were making music. Right. Because <laughs> we don't know. Because technically, like, there's a possibility that, that Gambit could have African ancestry because he is Creole. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he Cajun. Let's keep them holy set. They, those are white people. Where he's Cajun, he's not Creole. No, those mountain folks. Oh uh, well, but then, but then I'll say this then. Maybe like Rogue and and I know Doctor Showtime will get this reference. Um, maybe Rogue is from Glen Burnie, and I said what I said. Don't you look at me like that? I said what I said. Maybe no. Rogue. Shout, shout Rogue, out to Glenn. Rogue is maybe, from Dundalk. She she's from Jacksonville. She's from Jessup, and she may be into the blacks, plural. She may be into the blacks because she like hip hop and Lil Nas X. Rogue is from Dundee. <laughs> Rogue don't like no hip hop. Rogue don't she like no hip hop. Hilarious, too. You right. No, Emma Frost Rogue is, is from, is from uh, Dundalk. She look like she hang out with a whole bunch of black black folks, but she not black. Mm-hmm. What about she got that? Because like that that white that white patch of hair that ain't real. Them highlights. Mm-hmm. She picked she up the. Like uh, she picked up uh, some hair dye from the the uh, the hair store, the Chinese hair store. At the, she at was the like, Storm got got all white hair. Let me get a piece of white hair so I look like my sister Storm. Because you know, back in the day, Rose had a white side. Like Rose hair was white on the side, not in the front. See, Rose tried to appropriate uh, Storm's hairstyle. See, she from Dundalk by way of Jessup, uh, around the corner from uh, Glen Burnie. I can't stand on these. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for, for, for those in New York that understand, Rogue is from Staten Island. That is people in Jersey. The most accurate. <laughs> Rogue is from the shore. She's by Atlantic City. She's from the shore. You know that's deep racist country in right. Jersey. That's that's oh they'll say some shit to you. Um, and the rap, the, the X Men, the female X Men that listens to rap music, the white one is Emma Frost. She listens to female rappers. She listens to pussy rap. She she's down with Megan Thee Stallion right now, but she more into '90s female rap. Um, she's down with the Ilana. You know, I can imagine Emma Frost listening to female rap 
before walking into a board meeting and doing some utterly vile shit. Yeah, she definitely placed Queen Latifah on her way from and her uh her Apple um AirPods. She plays so is that before or after she snorts coke? Because she does seem she does like a whole two Oh, she has a whole yeah. she's she has a canon. whole like process. It's canon. She she's like she's like in her health hour day. She's like, oh, I was on so much coke. And she says she's she was on coke. She has a cocaine addiction, and addiction does run in her family. So you know, but yeah, her- on that note, we're gonna wrap it up. Yeah. So <laughs> Because yeah. we'll sit here and talk about this shit forever. <laughs> and really, want to say and we can't we, close and, yeah, and then we, proceed to talk about this shit for another hour. Yeah. And we can't we can't afford any more two hour shows. <laughs> well, it's All been right. lovely. So been for right next yet. week, we're gonna go over Excalibur twenty four, Hellion yeah. sixteen, and New Mutants twenty two, and then we'll still have our. Uh, circuit party topic that Stephen will bring us for next week. Yes, but you know, I'm so excited for my Excalibur, and you know I call dibs. So, yes, thank you guys for stopping by. We love you. We Yeah, thank you. Like, you guys, it was a great time and a shorter show. We did it. <laughs> we did yeah. it. Thank Yay. you. Appreciate Yay. you guys. Yay. Yay. Yay for shorter shows. Now I don't you have to listen next- to three hours of us talking twice. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, anyway, see you guys next week. Thank you. Peace and hair grease. Bye, y'all. See you guys.